hey there, friend. I had a feeling you'd show up again. Enough of the small talk. Let's get inside before we both end up with a wet ass. Ah, settle down, Chester. Want a Twinkie? Ah, suit yourself. More for me. Right this way to Casa de Blood. Have yourself a seat. I'll just be a second. That's better. Well, I've got something special for you tonight, folks. In this fourth installment of the Split Tail Files, Sheriff Ron Ball tries his hand at detective work. And as usual, I brought along Jeff Sturdivant to do a little dingle with me. Uh, say hi, Jeff. Dude, who builds a studio in the middle of a swamp? I saw an alligator out there. Oh, him outside? That's just Chester. He won't eat you. Uh, unless you fall in, then he'll probably eat you. Yeah, you want a Twinkie? And what about water damage? The insurance has got to be... Snake. Snake! Huh? There. Snake. Oh, well, he's new. Well, here, Jeff. Just give him a Twinkie. You think he'll leave if I give him a Twinkie? Well, hell, it's worth a try. There. Just hand it to him. All right. Here you go, buddy. Nice and easy. Nice and... Oh, my. He got me. Oh, fuck, dude. Well, settle down there, Jeff. The story's about to start. Can't have you all snake-bitten and been out of shape about it. Hey, y'all. This is Season 1, Episode 3 of Drew Blood. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an ad-free version of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today and get instant access from our friends at Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Well, there it goes pissing again. Tonight's story is a Drew Blood exclusive. So smoke them if you got them, and drink those glasses to the bottom, cause old Drew Blood has a tale to tell. From author Jeff Sturdivant, I give you The Hinky Bruno. Of all the fishing holes Deputy Dingle and I had to visit today, this had to be the one we dipped our lines into. Now, I know what you're thinking. Just exactly how many fishing holes are there in the humble county of Splittail? Well, the God's honest truth is, not that many more than this one I'm referring to. And by that, I mean this is the only one. So I suppose my lamenting about this particular fishing hole doesn't hold much water after all. And that's no pun in case you were wondering, because the deputy and I are consummate professionals, and you'd be hard-pressed to catch us cracking a joke while we're on the clock. You'd be harder-pressed than decreases in the deputy's tanned slacks, and even if you did press that hard, you still wouldn't catch us goofing around on company time. Fishing a little, maybe or playing a little mini-golf here and there, time permitting. Maybe having a hot dog or two, but joking around? Heaven forbid. 
If there's one thing I've learned in all my years of law enforcement, it's this. There's no room for funny business when it comes to law and order. Even in a county whose chief export is funny business, whose planning metrics from above form a cartoon wiener with its sole fishing hole down by the left nut. You'd think that as the one and only fish hole in Split Tail, that the body of water would have earned itself an official name. But if it has, I've not been made aware of it. Most people just call it the fishing hole. That's not to imply it's much good for fishing, because it sure as hell isn't. Like most of the unfamiliar faces in Split Tail County, I figure most of the fish that pass through here are doing just that, just passing through. And like most familiar faces, the odd fish you do catch tends to look a little funny. Funny enough that you probably wouldn't eat it. It was a sweltering hot day in Split Tail, right smack in the middle of summer. Deputy Dingle and I were standing right on the edge of that aforementioned fishing hole with a couple of drop lines, just open to catch whatever we could catch. There seemed to be a temperature at which your typical ne'er-do-well shut down operations for the day, and today's temperature met and exceeded it. That's not to say these people were doing yeoman's work, mind you. It's only to suggest that on such a sweltering hot day in Split Tail, even the lowest among us, the most lewd and lascivious, the low lives and the libertines, the disenfranchised and the disenchanted, were just too hot to do anything all that bad. Or so we thought, anyway. I think I feel something, Sheriff, Dingle said. It didn't strike me right away that Dingle was referring to his fishing line. Maybe because I was so deep in thought at that moment, I thought the deputy might have been having some kind of a spiritual breakthrough. I got something on the line, Sheriff. What's that, deputy? I think I caught a fish. Mm, feels too heavy for a sunny. Well, goddamn. Dingle started reeling in the line, making little figure eights over his hand and elbow with the nylon wire. It definitely looked too heavy to be a sunny. It got to the point where I had to help him pull the rest of it in. And when we did, something like a gray bloated bag began to surface in the murk. It wasn't long before I was able to identify the bag as not a bag at all, but the back and ass of a human being. Dingle must have made the connection around the same time I did because I could hear him start gagging. The deputy, you see, has a bit of a delicate stomach. Good God, he said. I think that's a human being, Sheriff. Well, Deputy, I think you might be right about that. I think you might be just about 100% right. And furthermore, on top of that, I'm not at all assured about this fella's well-being. I picked up a nearby stick and poked the prone figure in his exposed ash cheek. The flesh was soft, waterlogged. There were weird bubbles forming in the water from around where I poked them. What say, fella? I asked. How's the water? I received no answer to either the question or the pokes with the stick. Relative to what my own response would be if someone poked me in the ass with the stick, I gathered the swimmer was either extremely agreeable or dead. The deputy must have drawn the same conclusion because he looked nearly as pale as the swimmer's ass. Deputy... Pending a formal diagnosis, I think this man is deceased. I'd say so, Sheriff. 
You recognize the man? Well, not by his ass. To be fair, I usually look a man in the face when I speak to him. See if you can turn him around for me, deputy. Oh, Sheriff? Ain't there supposed to be special people who do things like that? You mean to turn around a dead fella? I mean to handle a body, Sheriff. Why do I gotta touch it? He's just had a bath, deputy. Just go ahead and nudge him around so we can have a look at him. Undamn dignified. Dingle didn't even try to conceal his distaste. So immensely dignified is my fire deputy, it sometimes dampens his enthusiasm for police work. He is obedient, though, so he squatted by the edge of the pond and reached out to grab one of the fella's arms. Once the body started teetering around, though, the front end proved no more helpful than the back. Oh, shit! Dingle said. Predictably, he turned away the barf. Settle down, deputy. You're gonna scare away the fish. His head's gone, Sheriff. What the hell happened to it? Hmm. You mean the head or the guy? Because I've got no idea where the head's gone to. But as far as what happened to the man, I'd place the cause of death as his head came off. But how, Sheriff? Hmm. I let the fella bob around until I could see the wound. I guess that's what you'd call it, hoping for a clue to the manner of removal. But the meat there was so waterlogged and fish-nibbled, you'd be hard-pressed to guess at it. As not only the high sheriff, but chief forensic medical examiner of Splittail, I was pretty hard-pressed myself. I'm leaning toward natural causes, deputy. What? Sheriff, this man's been murdered. I was afraid he'd say that. If there's one thing I've learned about police work over the decades, it's this. Bad stuff is gonna happen whether we see it or we don't. So it's usually best to pretend you never did. But once the dreaded M word is uttered, it's implied you ought to have a look into it a little bit. Not to do so would be bad form, even on a perfectly nice day like today. Well, maybe you're right, deputy. You got any leads? The deputy stared dumbly for a moment, then started patting his pockets. Not fishing leads, deputy. If we're going to conduct a murder investigation, we're going to need leads. Meaning we're going to have to talk to some people and ask them some questions. Problem is, we don't know who to ask or where to start. Well, we could check down there, Sheriff. Dingle pointed off a ways down the path along the fishing hole. I didn't see anything at first, but after looking for a moment, there was a little curl of smoke coming out from the brush. Well, goddamn, I think you've got our first lead, deputy. Why don't we moor off our friend here and go have a looky? Dingle wrapped his drop line around the stump and we set off through the brush. Closer, we saw the source of the smoke, a makeshift yurt with walls stitched out of blankets and old flannel shirts. By a small campfire sat a sun-baked old man, a river rat, who, like the water itself, must have quit his meandering and settled here. When the deputy and I came into his clearing, he regarded us like two aliens, the whites of his eyes a stark contrast against his filthy old hide. "'Morning, sir,' I said. "'Sheriff Ball and Deputy Dingle, Splittail County Sheriff's Department.' We'd like to ask you a couple of questions regarding an incident that took place nearby. The man tilted his head like some kind of curious animal. He said, 
Monza, Monza, that about me now. I ain't got nothing going on around here. <laughs> what you got? A pause. On the nearby fire sat a rusty old skillet with some inomitable creature sizzling in it. It looked to have come from the water, but was nearly evolved to walk up out of it. He says, good morning, and that's fine with him. He's not all that busy, Dingle said. You understood that, deputy? My daddy was a yurt person, Sheriff. Well, goddamn. Look at him. Sorry I ain't got no more grub for it, boy. That's the only thing I got home on. I went down and I was wild, you know, through a lot of mall. You know, that's how they all buy four hours. Look at that cow, a little bit of a... They go to the line and say, oh, we got something now, got something now. And you know, I'm pulling me in, that's what he did right there. Sorry, boys, got enough for the three. Well, I'm going to cook them up, yum, yum, eat them up. He says, sorry, he doesn't have enough lunch for all three of us. Otherwise, he'd let us have a hunk of his nice fish there. Oh, well, that's all right, sir. I thank you for your kindness. But if I'm being completely honest with you, as I assume you intend to be with us, I'm not altogether convinced that what you've got there is precisely a fish. The man looked confused. Now that I'd gotten a closer look at the thing in the pan, it very well might have been some kind of shoe. In any case, I went on, would you happen to know anything about a fella nearby who might have drowned in the lake and lost his head? Not necessarily in that order. The man's eyes lit up. I ripped down that mud, boy. <laughs> come on in there, boy. Come on, come on, come on. He opened the flap to his yurt and waited for us to follow him in. Already a kind of acrid stink was billowing out of the yurt, and Dingle's Adam's apple was a-bobbing. Oh, what did he say, deputy? He says he's got something inside that might help us, but I don't want to go in there, sheriff. Well, I suppose I could have gone in there by myself, but since this whole thing was Dingle's fault, it didn't seem right to let him off the hook so easy. He'd gone and hooked the body, he'd gone and uttered the M-word, and now he was on the hook himself. Let's not be impolite, deputy. Polite, respectful, and professional. That's our motto, ain't it? I'm surprised at you, deputy. Dingle huffed. He took a big, deep breath, and we followed the man into the yurt. Inside was about 20 degrees hotter than outside, and smelled like something scientifically engineered to stink. The deputy was visibly reconsidering our motto. The man went into a pile of stuff in the corner and produced a dish with a big lump on it. Turning back into the lantern light, the lump revealed itself to be a human head. This he presented to us with a flourish, somewhere between a yurt dweller and a French sommelier. Hmm, y'all are here. <laughs> well, goddamn. You see that, Dingle? Dingle? The deputy's Adam's apple was going up and down like a fishing bobber. I scrutinized the half-crazy yurt dweller with his head on a dish, but my keen intuition told me, he had hardly been the one to commit this crime. In fact, if there was one thing I'd learned in all my decades of law enforcement, it was this. No one cut a man's head off just to keep it as a souvenir. If a souvenir was what you were after, you were going to want something smaller and more manageable. Which brought me to my next question. Sir, where exactly did you get your hands on that? And while we're on the subject, Why'd you bring it home and put it on a dish? 
Well, I weren't going down there there money, but I was a little bit hungry and I'd get a little grub. I had to run down there, and just now, there was somebody looking right back at me. I said, Ooh, what's going on down there, boy? I'm going to run down there and grab it. You ever did the head? I said, Ooh, I got going to run down there and sit flow. I'm rub through the earth. Hmm. Put it on the plate. Uh, Dingle? <clears throat> he says he found it swirling in an eddy by the inlet up there. Brought it home for a decoration. A decoration? I was about to ask this fella if he had ever considered a nice watercolor painting or maybe a bowl of wax fruit or a potpourri dish. But considering the state of the man's home, I suppose a head may be as good as anything else. You know, let me calm your head up a little bit, man. I'm a little mixed up. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Look good, that boy. Look at that. Look good. <clears throat> the man took a little comb out of his pocket and commenced to neaten the head's hair. Hmm. <clears throat> Sir, the deputy and I have reason to believe this man whose head you came across was the victim of a murder. Would you happen to know who the man is? Hmm. Oh, the killer the head. What'd he say, deputy? He said, does he know who? The head or the murderer? Well, either one would be pretty helpful, I suppose. Oh, well, nobody little thought about that, there, boy. You know what? I knew the brand. Put him on the plate. His name is Clarence. He says he never gave much thought to it. But the head's named Clarence. Clarence? Clarence. How about the last name? Oh, he doesn't know the real name, Sheriff. He just decided to call it Clarence. Hmm, Adam my dead Uncle Clarence. Hmm. After his deceased Uncle Clarence. Hmm, well, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle, Mr. Yurt fella, but I'm afraid the deputy and I are going to have to confiscate Clarence here for evidence in this murder case. This seemed to upset the man a little. He now held the head like a French sommelier whose bottle of wine I'd just insulted. Well, you see, mister, I'm not normally in the business of confiscating people's decorations. But you have to understand, being the deputy and I have a mystery to solve, and whose head that is has quite a bit to do with it, it's exactly the bit of evidence I think we need. Ain't that right, deputy? I suppose so, sheriff. Oh, look at him. Y'all ain't coming around here on that my shit. Hmm, I'll say fuck you. The yurt fella didn't seem happy about relinquishing his decoration, especially after inviting the two of us into his home. Well, I'm afraid we have no choice, sir. Clarence here is not only an important piece of evidence, but our only witness to the crime. The deputy and I need to take him down to the lab and retrieve his last memories with our special forensic supercomputer. And when we find the murderer, sir, undoubtedly you'll be hailed as a hero all over Split Tail, perhaps even worldwide. Now, doesn't that sound nice, mister? Isn't that just as nice as nice can get? My premise may have been embellished a little, but I think the man liked the idea of becoming a hero. Along with that, being he thought the deputy and I meant to chronicle this man's final moments in high technicolor, we could safely set the man aside as a suspect. I'm sure that there's laws on the books regarding the keeping of a man's head, or even decorating one's yurt with it. But these were small potatoes compared to the big one bobbing downstream. And if there's one thing I've learned in all my decades of law enforcement, it's this. Stick to the big potatoes, because everyone's got small ones. And there just ain't enough time in the day to deal with them all. Deputy, go ahead and take Mr. Clarence there into custody. What? 
Uh, how am I supposed to? Well, I wouldn't worry about cuffing him, deputy. Mostly because he's deceased, but also that he's got no arms. You mean you want me to just... Just pick him right up, deputy. Can't be more than a couple of pounds. I tapped my badge to remind the deputy why he had to do all the gross stuff, and I didn't. And sulking the whole time, he tried deciding the least objectionable way to pick up Clarence. By the ears? With your fingers in his nose like a bowling ball? In the end, he turned it facing away from him and held it by the hair, muttering the whole time how undignified it was, etc. Now hold on there, hold on there. What's that, Mr. Yurt person? He says to hold on a second. He reached under the dead fella's neck and peeled away what looked like a fancy doily. This he put back on the plate and set the plate back in the heap. With a mutual nod, it seemed we were all squared up. Thank you, Mr. Yurt fella. There's no doubt at all you've been inscribed in the book of life for your deeds here today. Nor is there any doubt that every eligible woman in Split Tail will be knocking on your yurt once they hear who's the hero who helped us catch the Clarence killer. The yurt fella beamed in reverie, and the deputy and I took our leave. The fetid bog water aroma of the fishing hole was a welcome relief to the tent. Even the smell of the thing sizzling in the frying pan was a relative pleasure. Dingle walked with Clarence held out in front of him like Perseus holding Medusa's head. You uh, really think he'll get lots of girls, Sheriff? Once we find the killer? Well, I don't know about that, Deputy. Not in the sense you might be thinking. But if there's one thing I've learned in all my decades of law enforcement, it's this. The end always justifies the means. Now, I had no idea at all what the end of this was going to be, only that whatever meanness we got up to along the way would easily be justified by it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now... All you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You know, if there's just one thing I've learned in all my decades of law enforcement, it has to be this. Once you drop your lead in the water, you never do know what you're going to catch. But now with our first piece of evidence sitting in the deputy's lap, we could at least be sure where we were headed. Even though I wasn't sure at all where we were headed. Only that we had a head with us. And in some metaphorical way, that must have been pointing us in the right direction. We had our line in the water. And eventually, we were bound to catch something. Can I put this in the back seat, Sheriff? Maybe in the trunk? No, Deputy. 
We can't have it rolling around bumping into stuff, picking up all kinds of fibers and whatnot. We gotta keep Clarence here looking his best. That way, hopefully someone will recognize him. I reached over and patted Clarence on the head, mostly on account of that was the only place you could pat him. It wasn't long before my stomach started growling, and therefrom spawned what I thought was a pretty darn good idea. If there was one place in Split Tail Clarence had showed his face at one time or another, where was that likely to be? Not the more specialized establishments like Split Tail Osteopathy or the Putt-Putt, for instance. We had no evidence Clarence was into massage or mini-golf, not by looking at him at least. But what was something that everybody liked? The answer was simple. Pizza. You'd be hard-pressed to find someone who didn't. Harder pressed than Dingle's tan slacks. It was at that moment I realized I'd make one hell of a detective. And to that end, I went ahead and promoted myself to detective. Maybe it wasn't a promotion from sheriff per se, but I went ahead and added the title to my credentials. Dingle I made a deputy detective, even though I'm not sure there is an actual thing as that. Even if there was, I doubted he could pass the exam. Still, he seemed pleased to hear it. If there's one thing I've learned in all my professional experience, it's this. Recognition is a powerful motivator. Outside Split Tail Pizza, I decided the deputy detective just holding the head by the hair looked a little indiscreet. I took an old pizza box off the top of the garbage can, and it didn't look too greasy inside, so we went ahead and put Clarence in it. It didn't close right. So he kind of had to pinch it shut and just hold it that way. To be far, they never really designed pizza boxes for this purpose. Inside, I ordered a couple slices for myself. The deputy detective might have wanted one too, but he was busy holding Clarence, so his hands were full for now. Working on my second slice, I approached the counter with the deputy detective at my side. The pizza guy was doing his frisbee tricks with the dough. Mr. Pizza Fella? I said, I'm High Sheriff Detective Ball, and this here's Deputy Detective Dingle, Split Tail PD. We were hoping to ask you a couple questions. The pizza fella dropped his dough on a wooden pill. Questions? I haven't done anything wrong, have I? No, Mr. Pizza Fella, but someone sure as hell did, and the Deputy Detective and I are on their trail, looking to throw the bracelets on him and toss them in the cooler. But what we need to know first is if you've ever seen this fella we've got right here. Deputy? I had Deputy put the box up on the counter and lift the lid a little. Not so much as to ruin the whole lunch atmosphere, just enough to let him have a looky. Hey, what the fuck? The pizza man said. You're too fucking crazy? Why the fuck you bring that in here? Well, I had to make sure you had a good look at it. Seems to me like the pizza shop's a place just about everyone comes by from time to time. Figure you must have come across this fella, at least once or twice. You couldn't just fucking take a picture of it? Get it the fuck off of my counter! The man was holding his hands against his chest, protecting his pizza makers, like he thought I was gonna ask him to touch it or something. Of course, I'd never allow that, because that would amount to tampering with the evidence. Well now, I said, I suppose maybe we could have just taken a picture of it, but that wouldn't be a very flattering picture. Now would it, Deputy Detective? Well, I guess not, Sheriff. That's right. 
So before we go taking glamour shots of our friend here, let's just try and figure out who he is. So, do you recognize this man, Mr. Pizza Fella? Have a real good looky. Lift the lid a little more, deputy. Reluctantly, the man had a looky. Clarence wasn't looking his best, but I figured you'd know the guy by looking at him. He had a funny kind of nose. Not overly funny, but one you'd probably remember. Like he'd been napping on some diamond plate and somebody stepped on the back of his head. Nah, never fucking seen him. Now get him the fuck off of my counter. Not once? Not ever. I never forget a face. And that's fucking unfortunate, because I'd sure like to forget this one. I started to walk out then, but I've seen enough episodes of Columbo to know you're supposed to ask just one more question once your suspect thinks you're leaving. Uh, just one more thing, Mr. Pizza Fella. What? Uh, you mentioned just a minute ago that you've never seen this man in your pizza shop. Just making sure. You certain about that? I already told you I've never seen him. Now get the hell out of my store before I call the goddamn cops! Well, that was enough convincing for me. On top of the fact he forgot to charge me for my two slices, I was about as convinced as I was going to get. I had Dingle squish the box back shut, and we left and got back in the car. Hmm, where to now, deputy? Soon after, the radio blared. Unit 1, we've got an incident at Splittell Pizza. I repeat, an incident at Splittell Pizza. I keyed up. Got it covered, Frankie. Just bumping gums at the hash house when Dingle here goes ahead and shows the guy's noodle. A pause. What's that, Sheriff? Just a little misunderstanding, Frankie. A longer pause. Copy that, Unit 1. I'm getting pretty hungry, Sheriff, Dingle said. We were cruising up Creosote Causeway back to town. A good road to cruise up when you need to do some thinking. It wasn't exactly a causeway at all, and I can't even remember when they closed the creosote plant, but I guess someone thought the name had a nice ring to it. Even so, it was fairly hard to think with Dingle's constant complaining. That's Sheriff Detective Dingle, and frankly I'm surprised at you. A good man's been murdered and all you can think about is lunch. Meanwhile, some hinky Bruno's skulking around Splittail, with smoke still curling out the business end of his bean shooter. Dingle glanced down at the pizza box in his lap. You saying you think he'd been shot, Sheriff? Mm, Sheriff, Detective? I thought about that for a moment. Could be he hadn't been shot at all. I hadn't noticed any distinct holes in the fella, save the big one where his head used to be. Only I didn't know any hard-boiled detective lingo for someone's head being removed. You know, if there's one thing I've learned in all my decades of law enforcement experience, it's this. Sometimes you have to improvise. Dingle's stomach growled audibly. He huffed. Well, where do you suppose we could look next? I hadn't exactly supposed where we should look next, but I took a minute and considered it. Clarence, besides the obvious bloating, had looked to be well-fed. Could be he just didn't like pizza. Maybe that was it. But for a guy who's just not the pizza type, what do you suppose he had most days when other people were having pizza? The answer was simple. Maybe not to your average ham and egger, but duck soup to a seasoned gumshoe such as myself. Deputy Detective, I have reason to believe Clarence here may have done some dabbling south of the border. 
Take us to Split Tail Taco Shop, stat. Dingle raised an eyebrow at me. Well, you're driving, Sheriff. And it's a good thing I am, I said. I threw on the cherries and put the pedal to the metal. You know, if there's one thing I've learned in all my years of law enforcement, it's this. For optimal performance, you gotta feed the machine. And whether my idea panned out or not, a taco was always a nice idea in itself. The deputy detective and I pulled up to the split-tail taco shop and laundromat around three. You could smell the funny meat sizzling from outside, and Dingle was practically drooling on himself. He must have been pretty hungry by now, having barfed his breakfast in the fishing hole and watching me eat my own lunch, but hunger is just what I wanted out of him. Hunger is what keeps a man sharp, keeps his senses keen, keeps his eyes on the prize, and not until we got our prize was I going to let Dingle so much as chew his fingernails. Smells real good, Dingle said. I don't suppose we could... Deputy, if there's one thing I've learned in all my years on the job, it has to be this. A man is a pizza guy or a taco guy. And if Clarence here never showed his ugly mug at the pizza place, you can bet he sure as hell showed it here. Dingle kicked the car door open, muttering something about the indignity of starving to death, etc. And we headed inside, the deputy keeping Clarence's box nice and level. Good practice for any pizza box, whether it's got a pizza or a head in it. The fella at the counter looked to have dabbled south of the border himself. And just in case you're wondering, that's no euphemism. That's just to suggest that he was Mexican. Mr. Taco Fella, I Sheriff Detective Ball and Deputy Detective Dingle, Split Tail Homicide Department. We'd like to ask you a few questions. Is something wrong, officer? I have a green card. I'm not interested in the color of your card, Mr. Taco Fella. What I'm interested in is solving a case. And three crunchy tacos and an orange Fanta. He put in my order for me, but before he could open the register, I had the deputy detective open Clarence's box. The fella's eyes bugged out like two little golf balls. Do you recognize this man? I asked. I'm not sure how tall he is normally but let's just say he's about my height. It took the guy a moment to decide how he felt about the head on his lunch counter, but I think it was implied he'd stay right there until I got my answer. He said, See, I see him. He called me here many times. I allowed myself a triumphant grin at Dingle before continuing. What do you know about this man? Do you know his name? No, I do not know his name. Never paid with a card? No. Can you please take off of the counter the head? My tacos and Fanta showed up, and I took a few bites before continuing. Let me explain something to you, Mr. Taco Fella, before I have my deputy detective here box up his noodle. There's some hinky Bruno out there, a hatchet man willing to get gas house with any Tom, Dick, or Harry, willing to squirt metal. So before you tell me I'm tooting the wrong ringer, I want you to think real hard, Taco Fella. If there's anything you can tell me about this guy, you'd better come out with it, because you never know who's going to be next to lose his head. Well, that must have resonated with the fella, because you could practically see the hamster wheel spinning behind his eyes. I suspect any man of his heritage can relate to heads coming off. <laughs>
and rolling down the sides of pyramids and whatever. And just like that, he coughed it up. I think the man likes to fish, he said. He has a hat with the hooks on it. Can't you please take from the counter the head? The deputy detective and I looked at each other. Clarence was a fisherman. It was all beginning to come together. I stuffed the last taco in my mug and washed it down with some Fanta. Dingle closed the box. Turning to leave, I said, uh, Just one more thing, Mr. Taco Fella. Any idea who might want to cut this man's head off and strip him naked and dump him in the lake? The fella stared blankly for a second. <sighs> no, sir. I do not know. Well, you can't call it a trip for biscuits. For tacos, maybe, but not for biscuits. We knew our man was a fisherman. That didn't necessarily bring us any closer to solving this case, but it didn't bring us any farther from it either. What I had found out, though, was carrying a severed head around was a great way to get free food. I'm goddamn starving, Sheriff. When the hell am I going to get something to eat? Now settle down, Deputy Detective. I've got a pretty good idea we're closing in on the hinky Bruno that caused this whole mess. Aside from you, of course. If I remember correctly, you're the one who dredged this whole thing up. You're kind of hinky yourself, Dingle, when it comes down to it. It was your idea to go fishing, Sheriff. Well, I don't recall that at all, Dingle. The way I remember it, it was your idea to go fishing. I tapped my badge to indicate whose power of recall was to be trusted in this instance. I polished off my Fanta and we got back in the car. With Clarence back in his box, the deputy detective and I were back behind the wheel, sleuthing, gumshoeing, hot on the trail of the Clarence killer, looking to slap the bracelets on him and toss him in the hooch cow. Only problem, we had no idea who he was, or even who it was he'd killed. I'm not proud to admit it, but for a minute there, I was mulling over demoting the two of us back to sheriff and deputy. Things were so much easier back then. Back a couple of hours ago, when all we were expected to do was kind of be there. And by there, all I mean is we were expected to exist. If only so the fine citizens of Splittail believed there was indeed some manner of law and order in place. Save the hinky Brunos anyway, and the lousy screws and the hoods, and the lugans, the snowbirds and the junkies, the goons and the grifters, the tin-horn torpedoes and the two-bit twists. I tell you, it's enough to make a couple of right guys like Dingle and I stow our Roscoes and scram. But if I were gonna scram, I'd have done it long ago. I glanced at the Polaroid photo I had taped to the sun visor, looking longingly at the couple pictured there. The woman, so beautiful you could find her head severed on a cake dish and you'd still kiss her on the lips. And the man, not bad at all if I may say so myself, albeit ten years younger and with no gray at all in the old mustache. Summer, summer sausage, love of my life. She'd give you shade in the summer and warmth in the winter. That's not to suggest that she was at all that generous, only generously proportioned, you understand. She'd scrammed out a decade ago, hoped to make it big in show business. Last I heard, she was all the way up in Schenectady becoming a big star. Now that's not to suggest she'd become all that big of a star, only that she's generously proportioned. 
In any case, while I was driving along just then, lamenting lost love, reconsidering career choices, I noticed something else stuck in the sun visor that lit up my light bulb. My old fishing license. It lit up my light bulb for a couple of reasons. One, because I realized I hadn't re-upped my own fishing license since the Carter administration. But two, because maybe that's exactly what the fella was doing when someone decided to kill him. It would have been easier to kill a fella by the fishing hole and just dump him right into it, rather than kill him somewhere else and drag him there, especially in this kind of heat. And if that were the case... Detective Dingle, what do you think's the likelihood Clarence here was fishing at the time of the murder? Well, I'd say that's a strong possibility, Sheriff. Then what would you say is the likelihood this fella visited split-tail bait tackling haircuts on the morning of the murder? Dingle rolled that around in his mind for a moment, then gave me a rather sleuthy nod of approval. It was settled. Our next lead. The deputy detective and I pulled up the split-tail bait tackling haircut just past four. The muggy afternoon mixed with the earthy redolence of worm dirt and stink bait and the tang of barbicide. The pizza box in Dingle's lap looked to be on its last legs. There was a wet spot blossoming on the top of it where Clarence's head wanted to come through, and if it weren't for the wax paper underneath, it probably have soaked right through the bottom. To be fair, this was no margarita. There was a Clarence Supreme in that box, and I meant to find out just who ordered it, and I'm not even sure that last line made sense. But I tried a few others, and this one came out ahead. No pun intended. The man at the counter was eating soup out of the same type of container he sold nightcrawlers in. His eyes widened at the sight of the deputy and I. The inimitable authoritative air only a couple detectives like Dingle and I can carry. In that vein, I left my sunglasses down while we approached the man. Dingle set the box down on the counter. The man set aside his container and stood to greet us. Help you gentlemen with something? Need haircuts? Well, that's a possibility, mister. But before we get to matters of the hair, I was hoping you might help us with something much more dire than Dingle's looks. See, the deputy detective and I are investigating the murder. The man's eyes went wide again. Uh, murder? In our little old town? That's undinkable. Well, that's just what I thought, I said. That's just 100% what I thought. Until we went and found this. Deputy? Dingle lifted the lid. Clarence was on his side now on account of the box was easier to close that way. But it didn't seem necessary to set him upright because there was something in the man's face I hadn't seen in Mr. Pizza Fellas or Mr. Taco Fellas. No, sir. If my police intuition served me correctly, the look on Mr. Stinkbait's face was more than recognition. And if there's just one thing I've learned in all my decades of law enforcement, it's this. Police intuition is always right. At least mine is. What the hell is this? You recognize this man? I asked. Supposed to be a fisherman. I figure he had to have been here for quite a bit. Not just this part of him, but the rest of them too. 
And what I mean to find out is how this part of him and the other part of him have become dispossessed of each other, and the sick son of a bitch who made that happen. So what's the scoop, Mr. Stinkbait? Tell me everything you know. Uh, never seen him. Anything else I can help you gentlemen with? Or can I kindly get back to my dinner? The fella had only looked at Clarence for a second or two, not locked eyes on it like the other two had. That said to me that Stinkbait here knew exactly who the man was, and the casualness with which he had regarded it told me even more. Dingle was about to close the box then, but I held out a hand and stopped him. Now wait just a second, Mr. Stinkbait. First of all, your name's Hinkley, Bruno Hinkley, and I already told you, I've never seen him, not for bait or a haircut. So, uh, we done here? The deputy detective and I looked at each other, a knowing glance, because if there's one thing I've learned in all my years of law enforcement, aside from all the other things, I suppose, it's this. Life often imitates fiction, and if the least of all my life's lessons held water at all, this Bruno Hinckley just had to be the hinky Bruno the deputy and I were after. Otherwise, the deputy stood to miss quite a few meals. I cleared my throat. <clears> throat. No, sir. I believe you've cleared that up for me just fine. And thank you for your help this afternoon. Come on, Dingle. Dingle squished the box shut, and we started walking to the door. But just as we were getting to it, I turned. Oh, just one more thing, Mr. Bruno Hinckley. Mr. Hinky Bruno, or whatever you're called. What if I were to tell you... We had video of this very man, with the rest of him still attached, mind you, walking into this very bait shop on the morning of his murder. In high technicolor, you understand. This very man, walking into this very establishment. What would you say then, Mr. Stinkbait? Would your story change at all? Because I don't know offhand what kind of penalty goes along with lying to a high sheriff detective but I'm willing to bet it's pretty stiff. And I'm willing to bet murder's even stiffer. Stiffer than decreases in Detective Dingle's slacks. And the last I checked, those were pretty goddamn... <laughs> you will never take me alive, copper! <laughs> I guess I'd been laying it on pretty thick there, because Hinkley's cheese slid off his cracker in a hurry. He reached under the counter and came out slinging lead. I went for my own piece, but realized right away I'd left it in the car. Oh, shit! Fuck, fuck, fuck. The pizza box flew out of Dingle's arms as he drew his own weapon, and I just happened to catch it, just as three bullets came careening my way. And I knew there were only three of them because I felt each one hit me. Rather, I felt Clarence's head hit me. Three times as it soaked up Hinkley's itty-bitty slugs. The fourth shot was louder. Dingle's 357 rang out, and no head on the planet could have stopped that shot. And this was clearly evident by Mr. Stinkbait's own ugly mug. The shot peeled half his head off, spraying brains and nightcrawlers everywhere. He leaned back into his bait display and took it down with him. The container of soup was unaffected. Well, goddamn, I said. You all right there, Dingle? The deputy detective was on his ass by the door. I think the recoil had been a bit much for him. I'd always suggested he stick with a little pea shooter, but in the business of law enforcement, 
You learn new things all the time, and I had just added a new one to my list. Size matters, and it's just a shame for Mr. Bruno Hinckley he hadn't learned that one first. Just as shameful as shame can be, because Clarence was already dead, and three little twenty-twos had hardly made a difference to him. As for me, not even a stain on my shirt. Did I get him, Sheriff? I went ahead and peeked over the counter. I'd say you more than got him, Deputy. I'd say you blew the stink bait out of him. If there's one thing I learned from all my years of law enforcement, it's got to be this. Everything happens for a reason. And why ever Mr. Hinckley decapitated our friend Clarence, I figured there had to be some reason for it. Maybe not a good reason, but I guess that goes back to the parable of the frog and the scorpion. Whatever Clarence did to piss off Mr. Hinckley that fateful morning, you hardly want to piss off a fellow with all those sharp instruments at his disposal. No more than you'd want a haircut from a man who spends his mornings grinding up fish guts. In short, I'm not sure the deputy and I precisely solved our mystery. I still don't know who Clarence was, and Mr. Hinckley still ain't talking. The writing on the wall says Hinckley was trouble, just the hinky Bruno I pegged him to be. But the writing's all blood and brains, and it's not a detective's job to clean that stuff up. Not a deputy detective's job either. I have it on good authority that to do so would be undignified. It was 6 p.m. by the time Dingle and I made it back to the fishing hole, Mr. Hinckley and the better half of old Clarence in tow. Dingle was cranky about having to drag Mr. Hinckley, especially having not eaten all day. I'd told him he could finish Hinckley's soup after he'd killed him, but he was worried something might have splashed into it during the little melee there and decided to pass. In any case, our shift was almost up, and neither man seemed in any condition for a dignified burial. As High Sheriff of Split-Tail County, I decided detective work wasn't exactly my bag. I'd made the executive decision to remand both men to the water. Seemed kind of poetic alongside my frog and scorpion parable analogy. Also, easy cleanup. You sure you don't want to give the yurt fella his head back? Asked Dingle. Seen as the way things turned out, well, I'm not sure we can give the fellow what we promised. What we promised? What's that, Dingle? We said we'd make him a hero. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure we can fulfill our promise to Mr. Yurtfella of hailing him as a hero for what he did, but I'm sure he'll get just what he deserves in the end. Like the great King James once said, amass not your stuff in a yurt by the fishing hole, but as treasures in heaven. So, toss in the head then? Well, I doubt he'd want it anymore, Deputy. Thanks to your friend there, it got a few holes in it. Dingle thought that over for a moment, then nodded understanding. Clarence's body was still floating out there, and the late afternoon sun glowed orange on his bobbing ass cheeks. Dingle put the man's head on his back and we unmoored him. I gave him a little shove with my shoe, and he went floating out into the great beyond. He looked kind of funny like that, with his head just resting on his back, but it had to be more appropriate than sitting in the yurt. Clarence was whole again. Uh, you want to say any words, Dingle? Well, like what, Sheriff? Hmm. I couldn't think of any, so we went ahead and tossed Hinkley in there, too. Now, I know what you're thinking. 
Maybe a burial at sea wasn't exactly in concert with your typical principles of law and order. Maybe it wasn't so nice of me to lie to Mr. Hinckley about having a video of Mr. Clarence coming into his shop either. But I've been in law enforcement for 20 years now, and like any master of his craft, I've picked up a few things along the way. And like Buddha himself once said, or Socrates, or maybe it was just something I heard in passing over all these years of making things right when all the world seems intent on making it wrong. There's just one thing I've learned, and I've learned it well. And as my own ass is bobbing out into the great beyond, I sure hope King James thinks it's a fair enough excuse, cause frankly, it's the only one I've got. Nobody's perfect. Not even me. You've been listening to The Hinky Bruno by Jeff Sturdivant. If you enjoyed our heroes, Ball and Dingle, be sure to check out my playlist on Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel for the previous Split Tail episodes, The Show Goat, The Peeper, and The Protuberance. Say, Jeff, you still gonna be able to write with your hand all swelled up like that? I don't know. Hurts, too. Hey, you got a Band-Aid in this rape shack? Well, I'd usually just rub some dirt on it. When I was a kid, me and my brother Chris got into a gunfight. He shot me in the leg. I rubbed some dirt on it, good as new. Didn't even have to tell Mama about it. That would have ended with an ass whooping. Well, I mean, she would have taken me to the ER, but then whooped my ass once we got outside. No shit. Hey, um, I'm just wondering. Does everything that snake bites swell up really huge like this? Well, I suppose it probably would. Hmm. I'm gonna try something. Oh, Jeff, that's, uh, that's not advisable. Here, Snakey. Come on, little Snakey. Want a Twinkie? Oh, hell. Jeff, that's not good. No way, no. That's enough. Let go, let go. Woo! Yowza! Hey, Drew. Does it look any bigger yet? Jeff, you're a sick fuck. Jeff Sturdivant is an author from Pennsylvania who finds it awkward to write his own bios. When he's not writing, you can find him flying around in his private jet, winning kumite tournaments, and impressing women with his Adonis-like physique and his perfectly shaped cue ball head. (laughs) You can find his stuff at flexfiction.com and in the sprawling archives of Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights. To receive updates on this recently snake-bitten wiener, you can follow him on Facebook or at FlexFiction on Twitter. If you've enjoyed today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference, and I'd sure appreciate it because I'd sure like to keep doing this for you folks. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillintalesfordarknights.com where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month 
and get access to our entire audio archive dating all the way back to 2012, including past episodes of this program and all our other shows and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Instagram. Stop on by and say hi to me. I won't bite. Much. Well, friend, I'm afraid this is where we part ways. At least till next week. Gonna need to find a doctor to rub some dirt on Jeff here. I sure as hell ain't gonna do it. So, until next week, friends, may the wind be at your back. Keep her between the ditches. And by all means, be sure to throw the little ones back. And if they're a little too big, throw those back too. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.